You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Monday, September the 4th. Set fair for a glorious week, just as you got your winter wardrobe out, with high temperatures and sunshine forecast as far as the eye can see. But you have to extend your gaze beyond these shores to work out what was going on over the weekend. You have to extend them to Australia, where the announcement of star sprinter Nature Strip came through to us on Saturday evening. We'll be talking to his managing owner a little bit later in the show. To America, where the feature race, the Jockey Club at Saratoga, continued the extraordinary run of jockey Javier Castellano, who won on Bright Future. The rider has already this season taken the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes, and the Travers, a wonderful 2023 for him. Over on the West Coast, though, there may have been a more significant clue for the Breeders' Cup Classic with the Bob Baffert-trained Arabian Knight defeating the horse that had beaten him in the Haskell Stakes, Go Rocket Ride. Both big players for the remainder of the season, you'd think. We'll talk to Arabian Knight's owner later on in the show. Don't feature much Hungarian racing on this programme. Dr Jim Hay and his wife Fitriana won two races at Kinksem Park on Saturday, ridden, would you believe it, by Frankie Dottori. Perhaps the most bizarre twist on his farewell tour so far. That, while the owner's stable jockey, Jamie Spencer, was riding to victory in the Mint Millions at Kentucky Downs. You'll hear how that all came together, that master plan, a little bit later on in the programme. But rather more conventionally, Group 1 action in France and Germany. Sauterne won the Prix de Moulin, first Group 1 victory uh, for that horse's young trainer. Bovatier looked very good in the two-year-old race, and Bovatier's trainer, uh, Jan Barbaro, won the Grosser Price von Baden in Germany with a Christoph Sumion-ridden Zagre. Zagre is co-owned by Gerard Augustin Normand, who will have high hopes of seeing his own colours carried to victory in this weekend's Irish Champion Stakes with Ernesto, who ran very well in the race last year. And that owner's interests are managed by trainer, former trainer, John Hammond, to whom I have been speaking. And I asked him a little bit about what Zagre had achieved and the significance of yesterday's Grosser Price von Baden. Well, it was, you know, Group 1s are Group 1s. They're never given away. Um, there was a little bit of a row in the morning because the horse that won the German derby that had been supplemented got withdrawn on the morning of the race because they reckoned the ground had been overwatered. So that was a bit of a blow for the race organisers. Um, the race itself was a little bit of a trappy affair, but Zagre got put in a bit of a pocket in a race with no pace, uh, hence the narrow winning margin. But uh, he was produced, he looked fantastic in the paddock and Sumio gave him a great ride. So I think it was a it was a deserved win. I was looking through his form and it, it all sort of makes sense. You know, second to Westover, third to Equinox in that golden form race at Maidan where Mostadaf was one place behind him. Nation's Pride, second, you know, going even back last year, second to a bang on point, My Prospero. He is moving forward. Could he be a... a a cheeky player in a, in an arc, do you think? I mean, you know what it takes to win one. Well, you know, I think if he if he gets a good draw and a good run round, um, you could see him being in the first four. 
Um, he had, last year he had a bit of a freak accident after he was second to my Prospero. The two horses collided after they went past the post. Both ended up on the ground, and um, he had a, a small injury following that, which kept him off the track for three or four months. So he's a he was a fresher horse as a four-year-old anyway. Due to that. It was a red letter day for the trainer Jan Barbaro yesterday because not only did he win with with your horse Zagre in, in Germany, he he won with Bovatier, this very smart looking two year old uh, at Longchamp. How how good is Bovatier? Do you think? Yeah, he's a really nice horse. Probably the best two year old colt seen out in France this year. Um, beautiful, not overly big, lovely looking horse by Lope de Vega, um, and he's he's won his races pretty easily. Um, the closest he got to being beaten was Ramatuel, who's got very good form herself. She ran him, ran him to a head. But his last two races, he's won hands and heels. So he'll go to the Jean-Luc Lagardère on Art Day as the certainly the, the favourite of the French horses anyway. And, and I mentioned the trainer, Jan Barbara. It's been really nice to see a good spread of different names winning big races this season. And, and relatively few of the, the French or continental prizes coming back to, to Britain or Ireland do you think that's a sign of things to come? Is is there a bit of a revival being staged? Well, Jan's always been a, a good trainer. He started off with pretty average stock and he's been very consistent with his results and they have got significantly better as he's received better horses, but he's been his horses look well, they run consistently. Um, otherwise, as for, you know, English horses winning less races in France this year, uh, you know, I don't think two races are ever the same. We sometimes get, you know, when the three-year-olds win the art three years running, everybody starts screaming about the weight difference and it should be changed and then vice versa when four-year-olds win it. So um, I think you've probably got to take a five-year view more than a one-year view on that subject. But, uh, you know, the French have been, they've they got some decent horses this year and that's probably, that's helped. Um, and Ernesto was flying the flag a little bit last year as well, and he looked like he was just coming back to himself with that excellent fourth in the Prix Jacques de Marois. Uh, how strongly do you rate his chance in the Irish Champion Stakes at the weekend? Well, he goes there as a fresh horse. He picked up a, an injury earlier on in the year, which kept him off the course until August, but he ran a lovely race to be fourth there. He worked extremely well on Saturday. Um, so, you know, hopefully I think he goes with a good chance. It's always a difficult race. It's, you know, as as always, it's going to be a highly competitive race. A bunch of Augustine, Augustine Rodin, um, King of Seal, Nashua. But it looks like he's going to get his ground. Um, weather set fair, so he likes top of the ground. Uh, he ran a really good race there last year. And I think he's going to go there with a good shot. Frankie de Tori is going to ride Ernesto. How come that's happening, John? Why not Christian Demuro, who who rode him last time? Well, Christian has been claimed uh, to ride for Jean Claude Rouget here that day um, in France. Uh, he's retained by Jean Claude, so that's the way that goes. And Frankie rang out for the ride, and that's that. So that, and that's that. So obviously delighted to have him on board. He's yeah. Riding fantastically well, heaps of confidence, knows the track really well. So, no, great. It's great. You know, everybody's delighted. 
Former trainer and now racing manager to Gerard Augustin Normand. John Hammond there with news of Zagre. Could finish in the first four in the arc, he thinks. Ernesto this weekend. Dottori rang up for the ride. Lee Mottishead rang up for the slot on the NLD this morning. Here he is, senior rider from the Racing Post. Back from Zurich and freshened up, ready to go again. What did you make of John Hammond's comments there, Lee? Like I should say, Nick, I ring up every day for the slot and I just feel very fortunate whenever I get one. Um, I think uh, John Hammond probably had it about right uh, in uh, arguing that uh, Zagre has a first four finish potential in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. I think he is a very hard horse to assess with a view to the Arc, Nick, and I'm not the only one. So I'm looking at an odds comparison website at the moment. And how's this for a, a difference of opinion? Um, if you go to Mr. Paddy Power, you will get 12 to 1 about Zagre winning the Arc. If you go to Mr. William Hill, you'll get 33 to 1 about Zagre winning the Arc. I think he is a really hard horse to assess. He's got lots of solid form behind Westover in the Grand Prix de Saint-Cloud, behind uh, Equinox and Mostadaf um, in, um, in in Dubai. So he's, he's a really good horse. He's a solid horse. He didn't blow me away in the great surprise on Sunday. Oh, that's probably better form than we might think. I think he's a sort of horse. I'd be I'd be surprised if he ended up winning a Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, but I wouldn't be astonished just because it looks like one of those years when it's a very hard race to get a, a handle on. I think yeah. um, clearly Ace Impact is a worthy favourite, but as we discussed on the pod Nick, the day after he won at Deauville. That was a tricky race to assess as well. The conversations you had on the pod, which I was listening to, as I say, in, in Zurich, made it made me just wonder a bit more about Ace Impact. That 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 line I think you use about, you know, they've got one more go with the horse and that's it. Just made me think, oh, mentally, what, what sort of state is he going to be in on, on Arc Day? I think it's a difficult race to assess, Nick. We ought to touch on the winner of the Prix de Moulin, Sautern, who only made her debut last November, but was having her 11th lifetime start and fourth in Group 1 company, having finished placed in the Pouliche. The first Group 1 win for small trainer Patrice Cotier, who has been the beneficiary of the suspension that is being served by Cedric Rossi um, quite significantly. Very tough filly, this, Lee. Yeah, very tough filly. Um, Patrice Cotier, not a trainer... Um, I have heard too much about in the past. Nick, I'll, I'll be honest. She's a beneficiary of someone else's uh, unfortunate situation. And Patrice Coche clearly does not keep much in the way of cotton wool um, at home because this horse, turn very, very busy. Nine runs this year. Um, some really solid group one place efforts. Third in the police to Blue Rose Sen um, was second. Uh, in the Prigion Pratt, a good guess was third in the pre Rothschild as well. So she's she's been a very busy girl, Nick. None of her previous efforts had bettered an RPR of one one zero, which is not the sort of figure you'd like to see winning Group One races. But looking at the horses that she's beat in the Moulin, Big Rock running his third consecutive Group One second, Factor Cheval, who wasn't a million miles behind Paddington. In the Sussex Stakes, that would suggest that she has run a big PB or all those star names that she's beaten have run way below their form. And even if they have run below their form, which they almost certainly have, 
she still bettered her previous best. So an excellent performance from a filly who has thrived on hard work. Well, don't you love it when a plan comes together? I fancy that might have been the case over the weekend if you were closely connected to Dr. Jim and Fitry Hayes racing operation. Took a b- bunch of horses down to Budapest, a King Sem racecourse. Got Frankie Dettori to go and ride them. Delighted the local crowd. Uh, they had two winners in the two races. The others, by the way, were second and third in the same races. So a 1-2 and a 1-3. And all the while, over at Kentucky Downs, that eccentric track on the Kentucky-Tennessee border that rather resembles a more undulating version of Catterick dropped in by the highway. Um, ancient Rome won a race worth gazillions under under Jamie Spencer, uh, the mint millions there. Uh, Alex Cole is, is the Hayes racing manager and joins me now. Now, of all the of all the good days the Hayes have had, Alex, where where does that rate? Do you think? Well, I mean, it would, it, it would have to be right up there, wouldn't it? It's um, as you say, plans often don't work out in racing. Actually, almost never. And all three came in uh, quite extraordinary. Just tell us a little bit about why the Budapest mission was undertaken. Sure. Well, so. Um, Jim and Fitchery's main business is a business called Fosrock, um, which deals with petrochemicals to the construction industry, and it's it's a it's a big old juggernaut for business. They've just signed a joint venture with the Hungarian government, namely the Minister of Defence, who I'll call him Christoph because I can't pronounce his surname. Um, and um, Christoph was the UK ambassador for Hungary. Um, is a big hunting man. To ride out with the household cavalry in Hyde Park, uh, loves his racing, and one one of uh, the mutual loves that him and Doctor Jim share is horse racing. So I think a good lunch turned into a conversation about him or Jim and Fitri supporting the main day on the race course, and uh, that became a reality on the weekend. The deal was signed. Um, you know, lots of black tie gala dinners up in uh, Budapest, and then we went off to the race course took um, two horses and they duly obliged under Frankie. Uh, yeah, and getting Frankie to Tory there's a, a bit of a coup as well. Did he did he do his bit for the Budapest crowd? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many jumps that bloke has got left off a horse, but he used up two of them on the weekend. Um, it, was, um, it was very good. I mean, I think they won by four lengths and seven lengths, but... Uh, yeah, no, he he was signing autographs, doing Instagram posts, giving prizes for pony racing. Um, yeah, he, he very much played his part. It's, it's a very, very exciting project, should they get it together. I think the race that Splendid uh, won, they're looking to get listed status for from the Patent Committee. Well, that will certainly have helped it. Uh, meanwhile thousands of miles away in Kentucky Downs which is a a rare but extraordinary place if you've if you've never been there I know you have ancient Rome now this was a long-held ambition to win to win this race what what was the germination of this idea well Dr. Jim um, and Fitri like Dubai they have a place out there the business is headquartered in Dubai um although they spend most of their time in England and like everything I keep a close eye on things uh, all over Europe with um, the kind of idea of buying horses to run at the carnival ancient Rome is an incredibly well-bred horse um, beautiful animal who finished second to Rafe Beckett's good horses at Angel Blue twice 
in group ones um was second in group three won a conditions race i mean he's done he's done a lot of a lot of very highly rated performances without sticking his head in front um which kind of said to me he's the ideal horse for the middle east um it merged since we bought him that he probably needs racing off a strong pace which of course you don't get in france but i was always aware when we bought him he was kentucky bred um and jim fitcher have had winners at kentucky downs before based on the fact they've had horses with wesley ward for a number of years um so when i bought this horse i rang up wesley and said look is there anything for a kentucky bred um that we should be looking at and this was in february and he told me what about the mint millions so we had a good long look at it and um by the middle of the summer it wasn't really looking like a good idea but based on the fact that we weren't getting fastly run races in france i moved him from andre Fab to charlie hills um within a week he he won a handicap at goodwood off top weight drawn 16 of 16. so the the plan kind of revitalized and um well the rest is history <laughs> jamie spencer again well remarkable weekend alex congratulations to you and to to the hayes uh cardem in the sprint cup this weekend i'm i'm guessing with the weather amazingly coming right in his favor absolutely absolutely the firm ground will, will help um he's done his job for us this year he hasn't really run a bad race apart from dubai which he hates but um yeah he'll go there he'll run a good race again um as everything is it's going to be very tough but I, I expect him to put up a very good performance i mean charlie's horses are good for certainly for us Alex Cole, their racing manager, to Dr. Jim and, and Fitri. Hey, that's a remarkable intercontinental treble for the Hayes and extremely well mapped out. And you sense, Lee, don't you, from what Alex was saying about Fosrock and the business side of uh, of the Hayes' involvement with Budapest, that for all the prize money in Kentucky might have massively outstripped the prize money in Kingsem, Hungary, uh, the long-term impact of the, of the Hungarian runners is going to be significantly greater yeah absolutely nick and and i mean just if you're if you are a representative of hungarian horse racing um what a great what a great day um that must have been on saturday just reading the reports um of it i think they not only used it as an opportunity to uh celebrate and salute frankie de Tori, they used it as an opportunity uh to sell hungarian horse racing it's not a nation whose racing product we generally read or hear much about i think that we had the the great budapest bullet didn't we um of revolt um a overdose. few years overdose sorry Nick, overdose a few years ago the budapest bullet um but generally we don't hear much about hungarian horse racing um and so a fantastic a fantastic day for them as part of frankie's farewell tour there was one of those great commentaries, wasn't there? The Hungarian commentator who just screamed the word overdose over and over and over again. Yeah, uh, well, if it, if, if, if it works, why not? Absolutely. And Cardin would be an interesting runner in the uh, Sprint Cup at Haydock Park on Saturday, no doubt, with the ground quickening up all the time. Lee, I want to ask you a little bit about what you are up to tomorrow, because this could be very significant as regards the next step on the way to gambling regulation and how it's executed. What's happening in the Houses of Parliament on the 5th of September? 
Yeah, so potentially a very significant um, day, Nick. We know that the uh, UK government's uh, Gambling Act is going through Parliament at the moment. Uh, and tomorrow, the select committee of the DCMS will be having um, a session in the morning in room six of the Palace of Westminster, where at uh, in the first meeting, they will be uh, hearing oral evidence from Andrew Rhodes, who's the chief executive of the Gambling Commission. Uh, Andrew Rhodes is deputy, Sarah Gardner, and Tim Miller, who's the exec director for research and policy at the Gambling Commission. So they'll be questioning them uh, at 10 a.m., one hour later. Stuart Andrew, who is, among his other responsibilities, the Minister for Sport and Gambling, He'll be in front of the select committee, as will uh, the DCMS's uh, Director of Sports and Gambling, Ben Dean. Serious questions, hopefully, will be put to the representatives of the department and the Gambling Commission. Um, the Racing Post, Nick, um, as I'm sure you've had from, from pod listeners, has had an enormous response um, from listeners who are enormously energised about this piece of legislation and in particular the question of affordability checks and the the growing expectation that a number of regular racing punters in order to carry on punting will have to submit they want to carry on punting will have to submit to affordability checks and will therefore have to present their personal financial documentation to bookmakers there'll be key questions that hopefully the members of the select committee will put to particularly andrew rhodes and Stuart andrew not least in relation to the the subject of checks and the fact that when the legislation was introduced uh to to parliament earlier this year there was uh, a declaration of our that checks would be frictionless when the gambling commission then launched its consultation earlier in the summer it became evident from their own comments that that would not necessarily be the case and that in their in their perspective a small percentage of punters would have to submit to affordability checks the expectation i think we have is that the number of people the gambling commission thinks will have to undergo financial checks affordability checks is far fewer uh, than is actually going to be the case all right it was a year ago that we were reviewing the performance of flight line in the pacific classic at del mar which was the the big race in the united states over the weekend this year we are reviewing the performance of arabian night an upwardly mobile three-year-old became the first three-year-old to better his elders in this race for an awfully long time and it was another member of the classic generation, Go Rocket Ride, who gave him most to think about. You'll remember in the Haskell, the TVG Haskell at uh, Monmouth Park earlier in the season. We previewed that quite extensively. The two horses were in the other. Go Rocket Ride beat Mage, the Kentucky Derby winner, with Arabian Knight back in third. Arabian Knight's a $2.3 million uh, breezer uh, by Uncle Mo for Bob Baffert, given a clever ride by Flavian Pratt. In the colours of Amir Zidane who joins us now, as he did before the Haskell. Uh, Amir is getting there all the time, this horse. Um, what was the what was the verdict on, on Saturday night's win? Oh, we were very pleased, Nick. Uh, you know, we, we thought he was uh, overdue for a grade one. We had high 
expectations and still do. Um, the Haskell was uh, uh, was a bit of a disappointment. I mean, obviously, he came off of a long layoff and uh, uh, he just got ahead of himself. But we always knew there was a champion there. And as uh, Flavian Pratt clearly said after the race, he's he's up there with the with the flight lines of the world. I hope. I mean, when asked if he's how does he compare uh, to Flightline, he said he's 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 there. So. Uh, we're very, uh, very big on the horse, and we hope uh, he. We hope he just uh, uh, improves off of this and uh, and impresses us even more. I know you haven't been owning horses at the top table for, for forever, but you've had enough good ones now, and you've watched enough top class racing to know that a comment like he's up there in the same sort of bracket as Flightline is that's even going to have you sort of perch on the edge of your seat, isn't it? It is. I mean, I'm not saying that he's a flight line, but I mean, he's uh, he's in within the realm of, of the special horses. That's kind of what I, what, what I meant. Um, and you're absolutely right. I've been very blessed and fortunate. And again, and, and I give credit to, to the team and uh, the trainer, obviously, and, and Bob and, and, and the rest of the setup we have to, uh, here. But uh, no, we've been we've been very fortunate. And, you know, these good horses. Uh, they come they come expensive uh, when you see a good horse you just need to go for it and at the end of the day if they if they perform and if they do what you hope they do it's uh, it's very rewarding so that's just a small piece of it but uh, good horses are difficult to come by and uh, that's why they command the price they command uh, yeah we know that that Bob Baffert's modus operandi normally with a with a very good horse like this is to establish the horse's pace and to get that pace to, to stretch to, to classic distances. Um, that's what he appeared to do in the in the Pacific Classic. And, and we've seen some great horses do it before. We talked about Flight Line, Candy Ride, I remember being an obvious example of it years ago. I mean, we remember that wonderful performance from Beholder in the in the in the Pacific Classic as well. I I just wonder whether you subscribe to the orthodoxy that Go Rocket Ride will be a more interesting opponent at Santa Anita in a more traditionally run Breeders' Cup classic if the pace was contested. Oh, I definitely think so. He is a, a wonderful horse, and uh, with uh, add to it Mike Smith's uh, experience and, and ability to to perform as a rider. I think Go Rocket Ride is a formidable competitor, and he is just as special as well. Uh, it just so happened that we were uh, the better horse on the day. Uh, we had uh, we had we had a clear path. Uh, we we had the perfect trip, and uh, that's not to take away anything from Go Rocket Ride. Much respect to the horse. Uh, but I still think uh, we have uh, we have ways to go. We only um, our horse Arabian not only this was his fourth start, so he's lightly raced, and I think there's a lot of upside for us going forward. And just a reminder, we spoke about this before the before the Haskell. It was a deliberate policy to to keep him under wraps a little bit and and get him get him revved for the for the second part of the year. Yeah, we thought he needed a little bit more devel- development, and, and I give credit to Bob. He really saw the, uh, the the potential, and he just wanted to take baby steps. And as he's done with most of, most of his his horses, he just tries to have them take 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 themselves to where they they deserve to be. And and we're being rewarded right now for that patience and that uh, wisdom in terms of training and getting them ready. Amir, thanks for your time. All the best. Not a problem. You're welcome. Thanks, Nick. Well, there can have been few horses that have given so many people so much pleasure as Nature Strip. Uh, and the curtain came down on the great sprinter's career uh, before the weekend in an announcement from trainer Chris Waller. Ran perfectly okay 
in the Concord Stakes at Randwick, but perfectly okay. It wasn't really Nature Strip. Nature Strip was a brilliant, brilliant sprinter for many seasons. And indeed, he was right up there at the top of our rankings that we do every week for, for week after week during uh, 2020, 2021, and quite a bit of 2022 as well. He, as I said, was trained by Chris Waller. Uh, his uh, managing partner in the ownership, Rod Lyons, spoke to us a lot during the, the Ascot journey, the famous Ascot journey when he bolted up in the King stand and joins me from his, his home in Australia now. Um, Rod, I'd imagine a, a, quite difficult to, to say goodbye to Nature Strip on, on the race course. Look, it really was. It was a, uh, it was a, a sad time. We, we were hoping that he'd run well on Saturday and, and win. Um, but when he just didn't show that sparkle, I mean, with all due respect to the opposition, we thought that he was um, a good thing Saturday. We thought he was better than them, and they ran very slowly. He, he would normally have run over the top of those quite easily. So when Chris straight away said, I think he's just lost that sparkle, and then James said, you know, he looked up that straight and he said, I've done it for the last time, boys. I think I need a bit of a break. It was It was a sad moment, but... I'm probably sadder today than I was when it actually happened, realising that we're not going to see him anymore. But uh, a great journey, Nick, and, and as you say, quite a sad time. But when you when you think about it, uh, the longevity is is really what has endeared him to so many people. I, I look back through the form, 3.30, Mornington, 10th of October 2017, the Eliza Dry Cleaners plate. He wins the 5-4 to four on favourite. There's some water under the bridge since then. <laughs> Oh, there really, ha- there really is and has been, and I think the great thing about it, as you say, is his longevity, and also he never ran away from a fight. He saw off the likes of our best sprinters in Australia, year after year, they'd come up and have a crack at him, and he'd beat them and keep going. Um, had some issues himself, but had great courage. Um, he was a beast of a horse, and when he was right, as you say, and. Um, I respect what you're saying is his, with his rankings. When he was right, honestly, there, there, there wasn't a horse in the wall that could beat him. What do you think was his absolutely ideal setup? If you were to look back over his whole career and go, oh, everything was spot on for him that day, what would it be? Well, you know, and probably one of the greatest thrills, of course, was Royal Ascot. But I, I do think his wins at Flemington, down the straight where he was absolutely explosive where he could just get that time to settle in the first 300 metres and then he'd put those sub 11s you know low 10s in the middle of the race and just just gap his opposition just put the pressure on they couldn't get near him so from a a point of view of of watching his wins I think his performances down the straight were just electric and you know you guys got to see that at Ascot Mm. when, when he can come out of the barrier find his feet work through the gears and say that 600, 700 metre period where he can just put his foot on the gas, he's just too fast for anything. And clearly for the bulk of his career, I know he had several trainers early on in his career, but for the bulk of his career, it was the it was the twin forces of, of Waller and McDonald. Just from, a, from an Australian point of view, explain why and how that is crucial to curating the career of a talented horse. Well, I think Chris has got so much time and he's just got that touch of genius you know some of your great trainers who I watch with great envy um, they seem to have it the, the great trainers and, and Chris has got the patience and the and the scope to look at it and his change of trainers really wasn't anything to do with the owners it was uh, um, 
a couple of the trainers stepped over the line and uh, and we had to move, move, move him on. Um, but getting to Chris was probably the greatest thing that happened to him because, as I just said to you, he's just got that eye for the horse. He had the patience. And he said to us early doors when we first got there, we might have to lose a race or two to get this horse to settle, to get him to um, come back underneath him. And then with James, who who ranks up there in the best three or four jockeys in the world, he, he formed a magnificent partnership with him. And um, he's, Chris is very lucky to have a couple of excellent track riders, Stewie and etc. And, and I think they just worked on him and worked on him and worked on him to get him just to settle, settle, settle and use that explosive speed. And, you know, he was normally out of gas in the last 200 metres and his heart got him over the line, but his ability broke up the field on that middle part of the race and, and able to win so many of those races. So what's he going to do in retirement? Um, Chris has got a farm just about an hour out of Sydney and he's going to go there and Sophie, Chris's PA, um, she's going to ride him and look after him and Charlie Duckworth, um, who's uh, an Englishman, by the way, an absolute gentleman, he, his wife, um, Kathy O'Hara, is a jockey and she does a bit of equestrian work so we're going to let him you know, get a bit of oats out of him and let him relax for a while because Chris, Chris is adamant that he's going to need a bit of attention. He loves people around him. He's always loved being in the stable and he's the sort of horse that needs to do something. So he'll be ridden on a regular basis and we'll see how he goes, um, not so much as a jumper, but just in dressage and stuff like that. He's such a beautiful horse and got such a fantastic temperament that that's what we're going to do to keep him busy. But rest assured, Nick, he'll have a great home and whatever he's happy doing and wants to do, he'll do for the rest of his life. He's a horse of a lifetime. I, I know you're, he's irreplaceable, but what have you got coming through? Well... Um, again, fingers crossed, we uh, we actually got a horse um, that ran on Saturday that uh, Aidan O'Brien had. Uh, he won a couple of good races over there. War- Waterville, we have to got to call him Mr. Waterville over here. He won he won the good race in Ireland. Oh, Caesar Caesar he, he, <laughs> yes, he won the Irish Cesarowitch last to first under that daredevil ride from, yes, 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 yes. yes. It's an unbelievable. Well, Waterville, well, yeah. We've got him and he's... He's been gelded since he's come over here, and he's quite a handful. Beautiful. Yeah, he, he he looked like he needed it. To be fair, oh, you know, he was he was basically out of control, and um, you've got to forgive his last run over there because he got badly galloped on him. Took a while to, to overcome that, but he ran in a mile, which he would never seen a mile in his life, and he ran a really re- really reasonable race. And uh, we're hoping he can step up. We got yeah, we've got a number who, who pop around most weeks, but. Uh, that's the one that we've, we're looking forward to, hopefully, that uh, can keep the colours flying. And he'd be a cup horse, presumably. That, that's the aim. That's the aim, fingers crossed, and everything else crossed. Uh, his next couple of runs will tell us whether he's on that track uh, this year. As you know, it normally takes him quite a few months to acclimatise over here, but uh, he seems to have settled in pretty well, especially since he's been gelded. Well, as I said, you and Nature's Trip and the, the whole journey gave an awful lot of people around the world a lot of pleasure. So, Rod, thank you, and we wish him um, a very, very long and happy retirement. Appreciate the call, Nick. Thank you very much indeed. All right, Rod Lyons there, and before him, Ame Zidane, and thanks to all my guests today. And Lee Mottishead is here, and I, that was a, a lovely tribute to Nature's Trip from, from Rod. I was extremely pleased to to hear him say that he was back in again with a potential cup horse, but... A very few horses will give as much pleasure as Nature Strip Lee, and it sounds like he's going to have a lovely life in retirement as well.
And doesn't he deserve one, Nick, too? Um, he has been um, a sensational racehorse, hugely popular in Australia. But I think as well, for me, he was the the star of of Royal Ascot last year. His performance in the Kingstand Stakes, almost certainly a PB performance for Nature Strip, was, I think, the one that, that really set alight that opening day of Royal Ascot, even allowing for the fact that Bayid had won the, the Queen Anne Stakes 70 minutes earlier. He was a horse who was regularly raced. We became very fond of him. Uh, we got to know him very well indeed. He had a wonderful, wonderful career, brilliantly trained by Chris Waller. Anyone who saw... Uh, Chris's interview um, on Saturday um, at the track will have been left in in no doubt about how much the horse meant to to, to Chris, who got very emotional uh, talking about Nature Strip. And as you say as well, Nick, great that Connections um, have a genuine Melbourne Cup contender in uh, what we now know as Mr. Waterville, was Waterville when he raced in Ireland and we're coming to that time Nick, when we're going to know more about the the likely look of this year's Melbourne Cup so uh, nominations close on on Tuesday so by the pod tomorrow um, you'll know who is in the race which internationals are under consideration for the cup we're now getting into that that really meaty part of the the season when we're getting lots of group one horses and cup contenders running on a regular basis on Saturdays in Australia and on Saturday, Nick, as well, just want to mention that um, is well worth highlighting Solcom, who listeners will remember as having been a progressive stayer last year for William Haggis, really impressive winner of the Melrose Handicap. Well, he um, produced a dazzling display in a one mile and a half furlong listed race at Caulfield on Saturday for new trainer Chris Waller. He started off pretty well. In Australia, Nick, he won when we were over there um, in the spring on the Saturday in the, the Queen Elizabeth Stakes and the Saturday of the Melbourne Cup uh, Carnival last year. He hadn't performed that well in, in the autumn in, in, a, in a handful of starts, but this was much more encouraging. Showed loads of speed, loads of class. He's now clear favourite with most firms for the Caulfield Cup and second favourite behind Vauban for the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, it's still a great mystery how William Haggis his former trainer managed to get a horse by Frankel out of the Group 1 winner Ribbons, rated 68 for his uh, handicap debut at Haydock Park before going on to bolt up off. Still a lowly perch of 83 in the Melrose. Solcombe now doing what his pedigree suggests he probably should be doing. Lee, all I need now from you is a selection for today's racing. Yeah, you'll get a selection too, Nick. Uh, so today we are going to Brighton. Generally, a good approach when you go to Brighton is to back horses trained by Tony Carroll. That's what I'm doing in the 150 Pop Dancer, ridden by Luke Morris. Hasn't got particularly inspiring form figures, but it's not a particularly inspiring race. And I think the horse ran better than his sixth place finish suggests last time. So I'm going to go with Pop Dancer in the 150 at Brighton. Brighton, a bit like Kentucky Downs. And that <laughs> brings us brings us to the end of today's show that was monday september the 4th i'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow when i will be joined by somebody whose living it is to carry out affordability checks we'll see you then bye-bye you've been listening to nick luck daily brought to you in association with fitzdares the racehorse owners association and thoroughbred racing commentary Thank you.